We are in this short letter, uh, and yet we have spent about five weeks or so in this letter uh, for good reason. One, because it's the Word of God, and we should uh, spend as much time in the Scriptures as we possibly can, um, but also because the message of the Scriptures here is of vital importance. We are referring to uh, Jude's message, and Jude's message here uh, is about the threats to the church, the, uh, that the faith that we share, the faith that we embrace is, is worth the fight, um, that we are to contend for the faith that is once for all uh, delivered to the saints. And that means that we've got to be mindful of those that would come uh, with a different message, Different teachings, different doctrines, different beliefs. We've got to make sure that we preserve the truths of the scriptures that have been handed down to us from generations upon generations. Um, but also there are those who are coming uh, with a different way of life, uh, who are calling us and, and trying to urge us to, to turn away from the way of Jesus and turn towards other ways of living. Uh, sinful ways of living, uh, uh, where we're no longer following after Jesus and and pursuing our our highest and greatest pleasure in Him, but rather we are turning away from Him and and turning after the little trinkets, the 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 little little bits of pleasure of this world. Um, I, I remember when I was a kid how much I loved pixie sticks. Y'all remember pixie sticks? Yeah, and you take them and you 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 cut off the the little end of it. And if you were an expert like me, uh, you wouldn't put your mouth on the paper because then the paper would get wet, and then all the pixie dust and everything would get clogged uh, up on the top and all that. You don't want to do that, you know. No, you just you just cut it off and then just take it to the head and all of that. And it's a wonderful little treat that satisfies you for about two and a half seconds, right? And, and then what do you do? You want another pixie stick and, and then you're diabetic and it's just all a whole mess from there. So, you know, that's, that's the way that life is, you know, uh, there are these sins that, that, that come to you and, and, and they, they promise that they're going to give you, you know, the, the, the pleasures of, of a three course meal, right? At a five star restaurant. But in reality, it's just a, it's just a pixie stick. It's not going to give you that much. And in fact, what you're left with, the aftertaste of it is regret and shame and the damage that is done to your own soul and your own heart, not, not even to mention the damage that is done, like a ripple effect through other relationships and other people around you. The, all of that is what you are offered in that little pixie stick of sin. And there are those who are going to come and they're going to try and tell you, hey, this is the way you're supposed to live your life. Why, why are you so rigid? Why are you so legalistic? And granted, there is a such thing as a rigid and legalistic way of life, but that's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is following Jesus. And you can be so tempted as to think that the way of Jesus is not the way to go. Judas talking here saying, don't fall for it. Fight for the faith. Fight for the, the beliefs that we share, the beliefs that we've inherited from, from our ancestors in the faith, those who have walked with Jesus before us and have passed this along to us. Hey, hold on to those things. Cherish those things. Preserve those things. 
but also the way of life that we have learned. Uh, Those who have shown us what it looks like to follow Jesus, what we have read in the scriptures, follow these things because these things are the way of life. And every other way, as the scriptures so clearly say, every other way leads to destruction. Jude cares about his church. He loves his church family, loves his church people, and he's telling them, don't fall for it. The big question that we have is, how do we do that? How how do we not fall for it? How do we stay on the right path? How do we hold fast to these beliefs? How do we hold fast to this behavior? How, How do we stay on the way? and not drift off into destruction. Well, that's why I'm so grateful for these last couple of verses. We saw last week, uh, the paragraph, uh, the the next to last paragraph, beginning of verse 17 and going through verse 23, where Jude gives us instructions for how we're supposed to live. He says that we're to keep ourselves in the love of God uh, in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And then in uh, uh, verses 21, kind of the second half of 21 going on in there, he talks about how we're to show mercy to those who are struggling. Those who, who may be having a little bit of an internal battle. They're, they're grappling with, with, what, uh, with whether this is true or not, whether this is the right way or not, and so on. He says, hey, have mercy on those folks. Don't beat them over the head. Don't bludgeon them. Don't, don't, don't you know, shame them or anything like that. No, they're here to, to, for you to walk with them, to help them see what the right way is, to show them the truth. So we keep ourselves in the love of God. And we explained last week that that doesn't mean that, that you've got to do things in order to stay loved. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about here is that we need to do things in order to keep our minds focused on the reality of that love. Does that make sense? So it's, it's not that you do things to maintain being loved by God. That, that's not possible. You can't do anything to get God's love. You can't do anything to keep God's love. He loves you with a love that he freely gives and a love that he freely keeps. But rather, in order for me to keep that mindset, to keep in that reality, to stay in that lane, there's some things that I've got to do so that I don't drift off into deception thinking that I'm not loved by him. And we got to show mercy and compassion to those who are struggling. Well, all that's great. That's, That's wonderful. But that's not enough. It's not enough. Uh, I can do the things that Jude says in this paragraph here, verses 17 to 23. I, I can do these things. I, I can uh, build myself up in the most holy faith. I can pray in the Holy Spirit. I can wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus. I, I can have mercy on those who doubt. I can save those who are uh, by snatching them out of the fire. I can show mercy with fear. I can do all of those things and I can still stumble. The difficulty is we've been around for a while. I've been around for a while. I'm in my 40s now, and, 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 I'm, and I'm realizing that um, I've seen a lot of life. I remember when my youth pastor called me when I was, I was a teenager. I was a senior in high school, and he, he gave me my first opportunity to preach. He said, hey, why don't you come over at, uh, Wednesday night? Why don't you, why don't you 
talk to the to the uh, to the teams, and and I said, how about how about I don't? Um, <laughs> let's let, let's not let's not get crazy, okay? You know, and he was like, no, I think you can do it, and 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 so I've done it, and that began what I didn't know at the time that began a life of preaching. Uh, opportunities and opportunities, the Lord's called me to pastor and 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 all of these different things. I've gone to seminary. Uh, I went to Bible college before that, and then to seminary, uh, and 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 in all of these different years, even now teaching at a seminary. In all these years, I've seen a lot of the church. Had opportunities to work on denominational levels and and all of these things too, which means that I've seen even more of what God's doing among different uh, among the churches and even in different kind of Christian tribes and all these different things. And there's been a lot that I've been excited about, a lot that's encouraged me over the years. And yet there's been a lot that's discouraged me. Friends of ours that were in Bible college, I can think of one uh, lady in particular who left from the school, and uh, this is back when we were in our you know, late teens, early 20s, uh, she left from our school and and she turned to uh, she turned to Wicca. Um, and as far as I know, we've lost contact with her. As far as I know, she is still uh, involved in witchcraft and and all of these different things. She went to the same classes that we went to, lived in the dorms just like we did, and and all of that. And she is now a witch. Um, in seminary, we were living in student housing down in Texas. There were couples that had gotten divorced while we were there, while they were there living in student housing in the seminary. The husband that left his wife and kids. Um, We're at the school now teaching at a seminary, and there was a professor before we got there, a professor who left his wife to follow uh, after uh, his, his secretary. They went off, and I don't know where they are now. There was another man who apparently was going on mission trips, and while he was on the mission trips, he was picking up prostitutes and so on along the way. Those were professors. There were pastors that I know that aren't walking with the Lord anymore. One who who had gotten so addicted to, to alcohol and so on that he had to step down in order to check into rehab. We pray that he recovers and pray that he gets back on his feet. But there have been others that have left. One friend of mine, mentor of mine, that left to follow a Brazilian bartender. Left his wife and kids and everything in order to do that. Left his church in order to live with her. And they live out, out west somewhere. You look, and these are folks that were friends of ours, seminary, Bible college students that were, that were with us in the classes. They were with us in the dorms. Seminary families, we, we had, our kids played out in the playground together. We studied Greek and Hebrew together. Folks in church, folks that I, that I partnered with in the ministry, a friend of mine in Baltimore who was pastoring another church in the city that's, that had to step down from his ministry because of infidelity. We were friends. I still have his number. I still text him and, and all of that. And, and we're, we're like, what's going on? What were you thinking? 
It's easy for me to look at myself and go, <laughs> glad I'm not that dumb. Glad I'm smarter than them. But I hear what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, let him who stands take heed lest he fall. Do you think it took a lot for them to make the choices that they made? You're terribly mistaken. Do you honestly think that in your own strength, you are able to handle the things that the enemy can throw at you? Do you honestly think that highly of yourself? Some of us had a difficulty trying to figure out what we were going to wear this morning. <laughs> some of us, if we saw some of your old pictures, we see the hair choices that you made over the years. <laughs> Do you seriously trust yourself? <laughs> and your own strength and ability to be able to do that. Of course we can. How are we going to stand? How are we not going to fall? How, how are we going to make it, TCC? How are we going to make it to the end? So grateful. <laughs> I am so grateful that Jude ends his letter the way that he does. Because he tells us in this letter that the only way that we're going to get through is if we trust the only one who can get us through. That's how he ends this letter. Let's look at it. Oh, when you're there, Sam, there. It, it took you long enough. All right, so let's, let's look at verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. We're going to have fun this morning. Let's pray that the Lord would give us wisdom and instruction. And then let's just have a great time feasting on these great truths of our great God. Let's pray. So Lord, we look to you. We say, teach us. Fortify our feet. Firm up our step, Lord, like only you can. Teach us through your word. And may those who are here that do not trust Christ as their Savior find that you, our God, are the only one who is mighty to save. And you are the only one loving to save. How great is your love. Teach us. Teach us. That all fear would subside. As we gaze upon your face, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've noticed, these last couple of verses are a little bit different from what we've read before, and that's because Jude changes his literary style, okay? He ends with what we call a doxology, a doxology. A doxology typically is broken up into two parts. You may not have taken this this kind of time to think about what a doxology is. And so we're going to take some time now that we've come to a doxology to see what it is. There are two parts to a doxology. The first part is uh, a describing. We describe something about God. 
okay? And then having described something about God, the second part, we ascribe something to God, okay? It's just a helpful way of thinking about doxologies. Think about Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, all right? That's, a, that's describing God. Now, ascribe to him be the glory in the church forever and ever, or uh, how it ends there. Um, so we have that. Um, or, you know, you see over and over again these, these, these uh, doxologies. There's, there's typically a now to him who something described. To him be ascribe. Okay. And we have that form exact, uh, in exactly that way right here. So he starts off with a describing, a description of God, and then he gives an ascription. So what does he, how does he describe God here? Well, he describes him, look at verse 24, as saying, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. That's how he describes God. Okay. And now, what does he ascribe to him? To him, or to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Okay? Simple structure. And so let's look first at what he says about God, how he describes him. And then we're going to look at what he ascribes to him. Okay? So how does he describe him? Well, he describes him as the only one who's able to get us through. That's how he describes God. God alone can get us through. Look what he says. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Okay, we got to put the car in park for just a bit. Okay, because you heard that, but I don't know if you heard that. Okay, so let's break it down a little bit. First, now to him who is able, park, <laughs> pull the emergency brake. Now to him who is able. Folks, God is able. I want you to just pause, okay? We, we sing it, we say it, we do, we, you know, we, we echo these things, God is able, God is able, you know, yeah, he's able. We sing it, he's able, he's able. I know he is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. That's an old hymn back in the day. And, 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 and you've got all this stuff, he's able. But what does it mean that he's able? Well, what, he, what we mean by that is he is, and here's a theological term, omnipotent. God is omnipotent, omnipotent. Potent, okay? Uh, we know about commercials and so on where we see people talk about impotence, right? Well, someone who is not powerful, someone who lacks ability or, or lacks strength and so on. You, you may take a, go into a chili cook-off or something and, and you may take a bite of that chili and go, ooh, that's potent, right? Have you all ever said that before? Ooh, that's, that's potent. You know, what do you say? That thing, that, that packs a punch, right? It's powerful. I'm glad there's a gap between me and the first row because I'm spitting all over. Potent, you know, uh, <laughs> but there, you know, what does that mean? You know, that, it's got power, right? It's got strength. It, it, it's, it, whoo, you know, you may, you may got to step back a little bit, you know, because of all the, all the peppers there in the chili. It's potent. 
Over the summertime, we have storms. And you know what it's like when all the lights go out. You hear the microwave, beep, and everything shuts off, right? And what do you say? You say the, the power's out, right? And you know what it's like when the power goes out, the despair that fills your soul, right? When, 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 you're, when you're sitting there and you're just like, I don't know what to do anymore. What, what is life even about? You know, I mean, you're just, <laughs> you're just, you, you feel that, that emptiness there. But then you go, oh, wait, 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 wait. I still have my phone. I got my phone. Let me look. Let me look. Okay, I got some battery. I got battery. We're good. We're good, right? And 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 you live like that. You 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 go, well, you know, if I don't have this kind of power, then I jump over to this kind of power. You know what it's like when you get into the car and you right? Or those of you with electric cars. <laughs> and and then there's they don't make noise. And and so and so you, you and you notice there's nothing there. The battery died or 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 something. There's no power in there. What is it like for a being to be omnipotent? What is it like to be a being that needs no electricity, no batteries? Needs no tune-up, you know, or any. He is infinitely powerful, and he's infinitely powerful within himself. He doesn't need to be plugged into another source or anything like that. He possesses intrinsically the power, all of the power and all the authority. In fact, so much so that all of the power that we're talking about, whether we're talking about electrical power or whether we're talking about mechanical power or even, we didn't even talk about it, human strength and power, lifting weights and taking protein shakes and all of these things that you do for power, caffeine and everything, all the things that we depend on in order for us to get stronger, God needs none of it because he has all of the power in himself. All of the power that you use to do all the things that you do came from him. Do you get what I'm saying? That all of the power that is that the universe possesses is his power in and through the universe. So if there is this wave of, of a tsunami, the power and the force of that tsunami is his power in the tsunami. If there is this massive gust of hurricane force winds, that power was his power blowing through the air. Do you get what I'm saying here? If if there's, you know, you feel that electrical shock when you when you when you touch something and 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 it's not grounded and that surge goes through, that was his power surging through you. The lightning that splits a tree in half was his power coming from the sky. All power that exists came from him. That's what it means to be omnipotent. He holds all the power. He distributes all the power. It's all him. It's all his. Why is that important? Because you can't keep yourself. That's why. Jude starts here. Now to him who is able, 
Because when you see your ability and lack thereof, I need oxygen. I need to work out. I need a diet. I need, I need you know, electrical you know, uh, 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 products and, and, and things like that. I need all of these things. I can't walk from here you know, to, uh, uh, to Wake Forest you know, to go over to the seminary and all of that. I can't do that. That's going to take a long time for me to do that. But I get in my car. Now I'm able, right? I'm able to transport from here to there. But without that, I can't. I, I'm going to be here for days walking. I don't even know how long of a trip it is from here to Wake Forest, but I know I'm not walking it, <laughs> you know, and, and I can't do all of that. I'm not able. I will die one day. I will breathe my last breath and you will take my body and you will bury it six feet under. That body is not going to do anything in and of itself. And I'm supposed to keep myself? No, I can't. You can't, but to him who is able, God is able with omnipotent power. How does he use that power? Look what he says. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That's the negative side of the coin. He is able to keep you from stumbling. Check that out. God is able. He has omnipotent power, limitless ability. And he uses that power to keep you from stumbling. He's not going to let you stumble. All of the threats, all the temptations in this world, all of the ways that we could turn away from him, and God takes his omnipotent grip and says, you're not going anywhere. I've got you. I've got you. One of my old professors, he's with the Lord now, Dr. Talley, John Talley. He would talk about a, a time back when his boys were young. All his boys are older than, older than me. <laughs> and so this was some time ago. He said that uh, there was a, a, um, like a little well, uh, and it wasn't a deep one. It was just a, just a little teeny one. Uh, but they were playing ball, and the ball went down into the hole all went down into the well. And so one of the boys went down and he uh, got down into the well. It was, you know, was shallow enough that he can get down in there. And he gets the ball. And then he looks up. <laughs> and here is daddy, Dr. Tally, who looks down at him. And he says, hey, reach up, reach up. And as he reaches up, Dr. Tally reaches down. And he says, now in that moment, Whose grip matters? You see what's going on? If he lets go, even temporarily, if he lets go, it, it, may, it may be a little bit of a jolt, right? He might panic in that moment, but he's not going to fall back down to the bottom of the well. Why? Because no matter what his hand is doing, no matter how strong his grip may be, what matters in that moment is how strong daddy's grip is. Daddy is talking to us in the scripture. And he says, trust my grip. I've got you. and I'm not going to let you go. Do you see the relentless love of our Lord? Our Lord who says, hey, you, you may have temporary moments of insanity. Right? 
There may be moments where you might, you might look at sin, the little pixie stick that it is, and go, you know, I mean, if I close my eyes and just imagine, it could be a Thanksgiving dinner. You, you, and that's a, that, that is, by the way, the temporary insanity. That's what it looks like for us, you know, that, that this little pixie stick, and it's even worse because it's not even like a pixie stick of, of just pure sugar. It's like a pixie stick of cyanide. You know, and, and, and we look at that and we say, you know, this, this, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I can, I can, I can almost smell the turkey, you know, when I, when I try this and all, no, but God in his grace looks at that, sees all of that. And he says, I still got you. I still got you. I'm not going to let you go. You're in my grip. He's the one who keeps us from stumbling. Are you looking to him? Are you trusting him? Saying, Lord, please don't let me go. I understand this is a wild world that we live in. And there are people just yapping at each other all over the place. I mean, it's just everywhere you go, there's noise upon noise upon noise. And there's so much confusion and so much distortion and just all of this. And you don't know who to listen to. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who's a reliable source and who's an unreliable source and all these different things. And you're going, I don't know if I'm going to make a choice here and I'm going to side with something that I may regret. And the next generation is going to look at me and go, what were you thinking? You know, and all of the, I don't know if that is going to happen. So what do you do in that situation? You look to him and and you trust him. You say, God, I need you. I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to hold my feet firm. I trust in you. God in his omnipotence has given us his word that he will keep you from stumbling. Well, not only is he able to keep us from stumbling, but notice he's able to make us stand. Look what he says. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling, remember that's the negative side of the coin, what's the positive side of the coin? And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Mm. <laughs> this is good stuff. Boy, he is able to present you blameless. You know what blame is, don't you? You know what blame is. Got the little toddler, that, you know, for whatever reason, takes the, the cup, the little sip cup off his little brother's uh, high chair. And he drinks the entire thing and then chucks it across the house. And mama comes in and says, who did that? It was little brother. How in the world, you know? Is he going to chuck it across? He can't do that, you know? And everyone in the room knows that. Even little brothers, like, oh, look at me. You know, how, how, how is he able to do He's not able to do that. You're, you're passing the blame. Where did the little, uh, the little uh, toddler get that from? Little toddler got that all the way back from the Garden of Eden, right? Adam, how do you know that you're naked? Did you eat? From the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that I told you not to eat from, she did it. It was all her. And every generation, all the way down. We, it's in our DNA, right? We don't want to, we don't want to want to hold the blame. We, we don't want to be faulted 
for, for anything. We don't want to be shamed for all of that. And one day we're going to stand before the Lord and all the ways that we bob and weave and, 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 and all the ways that we try to avert and deflect and all of these things that we do now, one day we're going to stand before the Lord and everything is going to be exposed. There's no bobbing and weaving there. You, there's no amount of bribery that can happen for any politician or for any judge or anything, anyone in any type of authority in that day. They can get away with it here in this life, but there's no way they're getting away with it at the throne of the Almighty God. There's no way that you who like to deflect and turn things around and 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 gaslight and all these things that we that we are, are common with right now in these days, you cannot do that at the throne of the Almighty God. He is going to open up the books, all of your life is going to be exposed, and there is no way for you to hide in that day. All of the blame, all of the faults, all of the shame for everything that you've done will be held up on display right there before your eyes and in his presence. And that, folks, is the most terrifying thing that I could ever think of for any of you or for me. Which is why grace is so good. Because when you stand before the Lord on that day, the Lord says he will present you blameless, blameless, no fault, no blame, no shame. He is going to open up the books. It's going to be put up on display and there are going to be all these things that you have done and you're going to feel yourself shrinking in his presence and just, I can't believe that I did this. I can't believe I see you now in all of your glory and all of your splendor. And he is going to say on that day, hey, hey, it's okay. It's okay. How can it be okay? You're a perfect judge. You're holy and righteous and just. How can it be okay? I'm over here buried in my shame and all that. Because there is no more shame. Why? Because there was a man on a cross who hung naked before all of his contemporaries, whipped and beaten. He, he could not cover up the scars. He could not cover up his own nakedness. He was exposed before all of us. And he did that to put on himself the sins that you and I committed. He hung on the cross, bearing our shame, bearing our blame, bearing our faults and bearing the punishment. And our Lord Jesus said, I will gladly take all of this for the joy that is set before me. What is the joy that's set before me? That when we stand before the Lord on that day, not a single one of us would have any blame to our name. Folks, that's good news. You, he will present you blameless. You know, it's one thing for you to try to cover it up. It's another thing when God himself is the cover-upper. When God says, I'm going to cover all of it up for you by putting it all on my son so that when you stand before him, your record is clean, squeaky clean. <laughs> there's no blot. There's no blemish. You are before me righteous. Why? Why? Because that's who he is. Because he's able. 
he's able. All the ways that you try to take away your sin, all the ways you try to cover it up. Again, we got that from our from our, our ancestors. We got that all the way back in the Garden of Eden when they're over there trying to put fig leaves together, you know, and all of that going, they can't see what we did. Quick, we got to cover it up. What do we have? We, we just have trees. Um, <laughs> so here, let's just take some branches, take some leaves, and let's try to put them all together. And, and, and they're doing all of this trying to cover them up. And as ridiculous as they look, trying to cover their uh, try, trying to cover up their sin and cover up their past and cover up their record and all that. That's how ridiculous you look trying to do all of that. You're not able, but he is, and he has. He says he will present you blameless before the presence of his glory. And then he has this phrase, with great joy. I don't know what kind of joy you've experienced on your best day. Maybe it was the joy of, of getting married, or maybe the joy of holding your child, or, or maybe it was the joy of becoming homeowners for the first time, or maybe it was the joy of, of graduating from school and walking the platform and getting your diploma and throwing your cap up in the air, and, or maybe it was the joy of getting your first car. Uh, we're not even going to talk about all the costs and everything that completely took the joy away, but, but, but all the, all, whatever the joys are in your life, those are good joys. Those are great joys. Those are amazing joys, and none of them lift a candle to the joy of standing before the Lord on that day and hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. What joy it is to see our Savior face to face. We've never seen him. I know some of you are like, well, I saw the chosen. Well, no, you haven't actually seen him, okay? Uh, you haven't seen him. But to see the real Jesus, the actual one, this, to be in his presence, to be like Thomas and go, can I, can, can I, can I touch the scars? Can, can I do that? And, and, and you can put your fingers through the nail scars and, and put your fingers, put your hand through the side. It's you. It really is you. And to see the love on his face when he looks at you. And you realize this is the one who laid down his life for me. This is the one who conquered death. This is the one who crushed the head of the serpent for me. This is the one. It's you. It's you. Every funeral, right before, when I've gotten the opportunity to talk with believers, I hear them say, I just want to see him. I just want to see him. Can you imagine the joy being able to see him? It's you. You're the one I've been waiting for. You're the one that I've given my life for. You will be presented in the presence of his glory with great joy. But you know what's amazing? I think this phrase with great joy is a little ambiguous. Because I don't think he's just talking about the joy that we will experience. I think he's also talking about the joy that he will express when we are face to face. See the delight of my father. Zephaniah talks about him singing over us. 
this one who has been singing over my soul for all these years. There's coming a day when we will be face to face and I will see his smile. Remember the ironic blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. We just sang about it. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Make his face to shine. May his countenance be on you. You know what that means? We're talking about his smile. Words coming a day when you will see his smile. Oh, the great joy that our Lord possesses. On that day, we will see it. Hmm. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before the presence of his glory with great joy. That's how this doxology describes God. He alone is the one who's able to get us through. Amen? So now that we've seen what he describes, what does he ascribe to him? And that's the rest, uh, that's verse 25. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. All right, four things he may, that may he receive. We're going to break them up into two. Glory and majesty, okay? If he is the one who is able to get us through, if he is the one who's able to keep us from stumbling and to get us there into his presence without any blame, without any shame, faultless before his throne with great joy, then to him and him alone be the glory and the majesty. Why? Because none of us can do this on himself or on our own. We can't do that. But because he is the only one that's able to do that, he is the only one that gets the glory. See, he's the only one that gets the majesty. He's the only one who, who gets all of the credit for that, right? You know how it's like. We're, we're back in the football season and all is right with the world. And, 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 and you know what it's like when there's a guy who, who has that big catch or you got the guy that scores the touchdown or the guy that has the big hit, you know, or whatever. And then they get up and they, do, especially if they get a hit or something like that, they get up and they do this, Right? You're like, yeah, that's right. I'm him. I'm him. You know, and all that stuff that they do. Why? Well, they're the ones who had the hit and and, and, and they worked hard and they practiced and they watched film and they knew where they were supposed to be at the right, the right time. And so it's just this exuberance of, yeah, I did that, you know, and we're and I'm to be congratulated. Were you not entertained? You know, and all of this that goes on and <laughs> and, and, and and all of that's wonderful. That's fine. You know, I always say if you're going to talk the smack, you got to back it up. You know, but don't be the one to talk the smack and then you get burned for like an 80 yard touchdown. Then you need to sit down and shut your mouth, you know, for like the rest of your career. Um, you know, it was like, so if you got it, you know, hey, that's great. Well, why do I feel that way? Well, I feel that way because that's exactly how our God is, right? God is the only one that can do this. And therefore, God's the only one with the bragging rights. God can talk all the smack that God can talk, right? God's got all the bragging rights. God is the one who gets all of the credit. I cannot keep myself, 
but God can keep me. And because of that, he gets the glory. He gets the majesty. But not only that, he gets the dominion and he gets the authority. In other words, because he is the one who is able to hold us fast. He's the one who's able to get us through. He's the one who's able to keep us from stumbling. He's the one who's able to present us. He is the one who is rightfully, uh, who has the rights to the throne that uh, above all people and all creation and all of the universe. He is the one who should be running this thing. That's what he said. He gets all the dominion. He deserves all of the authority. This is good news. We ascribe to him and say, Lord, you're the one that's in charge of my life. You're the one that's in charge of this world. I, I declare that to you because look at what you've done in me. Look at what you have promised to do for all of my eternity. That's what we do because, because of who he is, what we describe of him, we ascribe to him glory and majesty, dominion and authority. And notice this isn't one that has term limits or anything like that because it says that it's before all time. In other words, he is the one who has glory and majesty, dominion and authority going all the way back to before time began. And he is the one who has it now, as it says there, and he's the one who has it forever. In other words, this is the one with all glory, all dominion, all majesty, all authority. He's always had it. He has it right now and he will always have it for all of eternity. This is our God, church. He's, this is our God, not just this is God abstract, or this is God generic, or this is God, you know, uh, 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 idea, concept, or whatever. No, this is our God. The one that we came to worship today is the one who's given us his word that he will keep us, and he's able to keep us because he's the one who's running the whole planet. This is our God who says, call me father. This is our God who sent his son. This is our God who seals us with his spirit. This is our God who runs time and space and says, I am working all things, all things together for your good. This is our God. This is our God who promised to conquer the evil one. This is our God who promised to right every wrong in your life and in this universe. This is our God who has promised that death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. He's not some abstract God. He's our God. This is the God that you can trust. When all the peddlers and all the hucksters go all around this world and all around our culture and send lies upon lies for evil gain and for wealth and for popularity and status and all of that, every single one of them will have to stand before him because he will fight for his people. This is our God. This is our God who says, I'm going to make all things new. The one who knows the despair that you feel when you wake up with the pains. The one who knows the despair that you feel when, when your loved one is gone. The one who knows the pains that you felt when you lost your job or when you've lost your wealth or when you've lost your, your wayward child. Or He knows all of these things and he says, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to hold on to you for all of eternity because I am your God. This is our God, church. He loves us, and he will never let us go. He will keep us from, from stumbling, and he will present us blameless in his presence with exceedingly great joy. This is our God. 
Is he not worthy of our worship? What can you give to him? Or as the old, now late, gospel writer Andre Crouch would say, how shall I say thanks for the things you have done for me? We will never exhaust the thankfulness. We will never exhaust our praise. We will spend all of our days and even to our last breath and our breath after that, (laughs) spending all of eternity saying how great is our God. This is our God. This is our God. So how are you going to make it through? The temptations are real. Struggles are real. The failures are real. How are we sinners going to make it through? Look up. and See the great God who has been for us before all of eternity and will be with us and will be for us all the way to the end. Look to him. Trust him. Trust that he will indeed get us through because he's the only one that can get us through. And if he is the only one that can get us through, then to God alone, all praise is due. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, this is worthy of a shout. You are our God. You're worth all the time in the world for us to sit and marvel at the love and the grace that you have given to us in Jesus. You are the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you have given us these precious promises at the expense of your Son and yet in his joy. so that we would give you the glory and the majesty, dominion and authority forever and ever and ever. This is who you are, and you are our God. Lord, there are some who are on the fence. They're struggling. It's been a rough couple of years. For some, maybe even longer, it's been a rough life. Perhaps they came here wondering, is it even worth it? Father, I pray that they heard crystal clear that you are the God who is worthy. That they should not look to the right or to the left. But they should look at you, the only one who is able to get us through. May they, perhaps for the first time, maybe again for the first time, entrust their lives to you. I say, Lord, I'm yours. Would you keep me? Please don't let me go. Hold me fast. And even now, may they sense your Holy Spirit applying that to their hearts and to their souls, reassuring them with the promises of the gospel I will hold you fast. I'm not going to let you go. 
Jude says, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All of these promises are true and are sure because Jesus paid to make them so. He gave his life so that all of the promises of God find their yes and their amen in him and in him alone. 